Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When I meet someone new who identifies themselves as a Christian, one of the first subjects that I generally try to talk about is the subject of forgiveness. Because forgiveness is probably the one subject that most Christians are confused about. It is a very important subject, very important, and is necessary to understand that we have been fully and completely forgiven in order to walk in the new life that we now have in Christ Jesus. This is most certainly a very important subject, probably the most popular topic that I will speak with others about, because it is the very key that opens the door in order to allow a person to walk through and really experience the new life that we now have in the Lord Jesus. And so given that, what I do is I generally focus on the importance of why we have been forgiven and the implications of the forgiveness that we have received, how that can be applied in our lives. And as a person comes to really discover and understand the depths of the forgiveness that we have truly received, it does have a significant effect on many aspects of their life. Because in most cases, people are believing in a partial forgiveness. They do believe they would acknowledge and say, yes, I have been forgiven of all of my sins. This is something that has been completely resolved, and the Lord Jesus doesn't hold any of my sins against me anymore. But then they'll follow it up with something like, but if I sin, then I just confess my sins, ask him to forgive me, and then everything is okay between God and I. But that is a complete contradiction of the forgiveness issue. And because of that, I will tend to focus on that to help people understand really that they have been completely forgiven and what that now means as we walk in our daily life, in our daily experience with our God. I have spent a significant amount of time talking about the subject of forgiveness on other radio broadcasts, and so I'm not going to really focus on that subject here in this program. I have done a series of six broadcasts on this, and you can always contact me to ask me for the CDs for these broadcasts, or you can order them online through our website, or you can download the audio files for free on the website also. They are available for free in our radio archive. And so I would certainly like to encourage you to get a hold of those, especially when it comes to the subject of forgiveness and the implications of what it means to be truly forgiven. But in this broadcast, I'd like to focus on something that is usually brought up by people after they come to understand the forgiveness that they have received. What often happens is that people start to understand and realize the truth of this, and then it begins to have a significant effect on many aspects of their relationship with their God. And when this happens, they tend to realize that there are other things that are starting to come up. There are other issues that are being brought forward that make them wonder about how they have been relating to their God before and how they are going to relate to him now. Probably the most common subject that is brought forward to me is the subject of prayer. Definitely the subject of prayer, because people's prayers are normally focused on the acquisition of forgiveness. 
Certainly not in all cases, but it's very common. It's very common for people's prayers to generally be focused on the subject of forgiveness in one aspect or another. I do realize that in most cases people are praying for the purpose of trying to obtain something from their God. That is most certainly true. And when a person comes to discover what they have already received from their God, then this also tends to be a subject that people want to address and have questions about because they're no longer asking for things like they once were. And they're kind of wondering, well, then what do I do? What do I talk about? How do I now pray? But forgiveness is definitely a big one that also comes up where people are wondering about the prayers that they are exercising and wondering why they are asking God to forgive them because that's how people are taught. That's what people are taught to do. People are normally taught to engage in a type or a form of prayer and in this prayer, in this procedure or in this protocol or standard or approach to prayer that is normally presented by various different denominations and different groups, they all have their own way of doing this, of course, but in general, inherently embedded within their means of prayer, people are normally asking for forgiveness. A very common example of this comes from what is normally identified as the Lord's Prayer, found in Matthew chapter 6. Now again, I have devoted several broadcasts, several recordings to the subject of the Lord's Prayer, one of which found in the series on forgiveness that I mentioned earlier, and another broadcast that I did on the subject of the Sermon on the Mount that you can also download for free from the internet. This is at our website, livinggodministries.net, and you can download them for free there, or you can purchase the CDs from the website. Either way, you can acquire those, and I would certainly want to encourage you to get those broadcasts, to get those audio files, to understand more about the Lord's Prayer from the perspective that I was presenting in those broadcasts, either from the perspective of forgiveness or from the whole perspective of the Sermon on the Mount and the theme that the Lord Jesus was presenting when he was talking to the people in the Sermon on the Mount. But in this broadcast, I would like to focus on the subject of prayer as it relates to the Lord's Prayer. And so let me read from this. This is beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, the Lord Jesus says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
And this is where the subject usually comes from, is that people are starting to understand that they have already been forgiven. And because of the forgiveness they have received, they then are able to forgive others with the forgiveness that they have received from their God. And so they begin to understand that this is something that was presented in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant in accordance with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 and Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. And I, of course, talk about this at length in the other broadcasts that I was referring to. There is a significant difference in the New Covenant where we now forgive others as we have already been forgiven. And so this is where this usually comes from. And so people start to think about the rest of this prayer as they do pray this. Many congregations, many people pray this every week as part of their regular liturgy. And others even pray this every day as part of their daily liturgy of prayer before their God. And when it comes to the subject of forgiveness, they begin to recognize that they have already been forgiven. And so they start wondering, well, why is it that I'm including this confession and this asking for forgiveness in my prayers? And this takes out a huge chunk, a big chunk out of a person's prayer life when this happens. And so people will start feeling a little uneasy and they'll start to wonder, well, gosh, am I really praying? Am I praying correctly? Am I praying in the way that God wants me to pray? But that's not the end of it, especially when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. When looking at the Lord's Prayer, there are several key points that you can really begin to think about in light of the New Covenant. For example, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, he says, Give us this day our daily bread. Well, we know that we're going to receive our daily bread. We know that we are going to receive anything that we need. And and if we don't receive enough bread and we die of starvation, we can still do so glorifying God, knowing and trusting in the heaven that we are going to enter into and do so joyfully, understanding that this life was a very temporary experience anyway. This is something that often happens with immature believers, is that we start to recognize that we certainly are living in dependency of our God, and whether we receive our bread or not, we can still rejoice before Him, and we are not going to have any hard feelings towards our God if for some reason we don't have the bread that we need to eat or the bread that we want to eat. This is something that we just understand as we begin to mature in what we have already received from our God and when we begin to understand the temporary nature of the world that we are living in and the life that we have right now on this earth, understanding the future life that we are going to enter into, what happens here becomes very minimized. Continuing on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, he says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Again, this is the subject of forgiveness. But then in verse 13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, we have been delivered from the evil one. This is what he accomplished for us through the act of forgiveness. When we received the complete forgiveness of sins, the evil one, the devil, lost all power against us. He lost all power to keep us from experiencing the fullness of a relationship with our Creator. And so there are a lot of things that have changed in accordance with the New Covenant that when we look at the Lord's Prayer as it is referred to here, we can see that there are some outdated issues, at least in the context of the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, that the Old Covenant had a very specific purpose, and that was to bury us. For example, continuing to read in verse 14 and 15, 
If you were able to successfully forgive everyone who has ever violated you in any way whatsoever and to exercise that in a complete godly way, you would certainly be God. And if you fail to do that in any respect whatsoever, then you will never receive the forgiveness of God. I mean this in the context of being outdated, only in the sense that the new covenant has gone into effect and we have a different way of life that we now get to live in between us and our Creator. And so when this happens, people really start to wonder about their prayer life. People start thinking, well, gosh, you know, what am I going to really pray about? Because the forgiveness subject takes out a big chunk of our prayer life. And then, furthermore, when we begin to understand what we have already received in Christ Jesus, what we have already received from our God, our inheritance that we have received, as we begin to mature in identifying that we truly have everything that we need for life and godliness, that also dramatically changes our life of prayer. That significantly changes the way that we communicate with our God. You see, in most cases, as I was saying earlier, people are approaching God in order to obtain something from Him. They're normally approaching Him because they want to obtain forgiveness, because they want to obtain more flour in their kneading bowl, because they want to have more money in order to either pay their bills or to enjoy a better lifestyle. They're wanting to have a relationship with someone else that they don't have a relationship with. They're wanting to see someone come to know the Lord and be saved and experience salvation. We're normally coming to Him for a variety of things, making appeals to Him, asking Him to provide us with things that we don't have. And I'm not willing to say that there's anything wrong with this. I certainly have experienced many times in my life when I have gone before my God and I have sincerely asked Him for something. I don't want to depreciate that in any way whatsoever. And certainly in this broadcast, I don't want to suggest to you that there is a certain way to pray and that there is a certain way not to pray. There's no way I can do that. This is definitely an individual experience, an individual experience that you experience with your Creator. There is no way that I or anyone else can suggest to you that one way of praying is correct, another way of praying is incorrect. Asking for one thing is okay. Asking for another thing is not okay. There is no way that I can do this. And because of that, there's no way that I can get into specifics about this subject. There's no way that I can really do that. I can only talk about this from a general perspective with hopes that it might be of benefit considering the general issues that we find ourselves dealing with as Christians. So in this series, I'm going to talk about prayer just from a general perspective, and mainly I'm going to be focusing on some key points that people have brought to me that have suggested to me are big issues that are issues that they encounter quite often. I did recently send out an email to my email distribution list asking people to tell me about their thoughts, their feelings, their issues, their questions about the subject of prayer. And I received some wonderful responses that gave me some really good insights about how people are thinking and why they're thinking the way that they are, the kinds of questions that people come up with. I do this quite often for many of the recordings that I do and subjects that I teach on. And so, by all means, if you have not taken the opportunity to sign up for our email list, please do visit our website and sign up there. And I will keep you informed on any new developments of Living God Ministries, anything new that we produce, and, and other questions or issues that come up. I'll be sure to let you know about. 
But when it comes to the subject of prayer, it is a very general subject. There's no way to say that this is right, this is wrong, this is okay, this is not okay. I can only approach this from a general perspective, talking about the issues as they relate to each other in the context of what is true, what is not true, what would be presumptuous, what would be an attempt to control, uh, things like that. And I can bring some subjects to the forefront and talk about some of these issues from that point of view. But overall, when it comes to specific issues, it's very hard to address and in many cases can only be addressed in an individual way, one-on-one. And so I'm not going to try to do individual things. I will be addressing this subject from a general perspective. From a general perspective, people are wondering, well, then how do we pray? What is the formula? What is the standard that we use in order to pray effectively or effectively pray? What is the way of praying? How do I pray? How would I get started praying? For a new believer, they often are wondering this very question, legitimately as well. I don't think we should really be that concerned about this subject. I really don't. I really believe that this becomes a natural outgrowth of what people experience with their God. And so, again, I'm not going to say that this is the formula, this is the standard, this is how you get started and then just run with it. That's certainly not what I'm going to do. But there are many formulas, and the Lord's Prayer is one outline that people use. But like I said, there are many things that are in here that can create a lot of confusion when you come to understand what the Lord Jesus has already done for you and what you have already received as a result of what he has done for you. But in the midst of that, people are still being taught various things. For example, consider the formula that's normally identified as ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplications. People will normally take this acronym, this formula, and begin to exercise their prayer on its basis. For example, they start out with A that refers to adoration. And so they sit down and they quietly pray or pray out loud and tell God how much they really, truly adore him. And then proceed with confession. That's the C in the Acts. And so they begin with confession and so they confess their sins before God. Again, this raises the whole issue of forgiveness and the issues surrounding that. But the confession is normally to identify our God in terms of who he is and identify ourselves in terms of who we are, that he is holy, just and righteous and that we are not. And in the midst of the confession, we have hope that we will obtain forgiveness for our shortcomings, effectively clearing the deck in a sense, that's normally what's taught. We clear the deck or clear the air, and in that way we are able to pray effectively so that we don't have anything between us and God. That's normally how that's presented. But again, it rejects the finality of the cross. Then people will normally proceed with thanksgiving. That's the T. And so they proceed with thanksgiving to express thankfulness for whatever they can think of. They can express thankfulness for the forgiveness of sins that they believe they have just received as a result of their confession. They can be very thankful for all of the things that they have already received from their God. They can be very thankful for the things that God has done and for the things that God will do. But this is then the transition to then ask for whatever you desire, whatever you want to ask him for. And that's the subject of supplications. And so people will then proceed with asking God for whatever it is that is on their heart, whatever they want to ask him for. Now consider how God might feel about this if we were to put this in perhaps a practical context. Think about a parent and a child. Assume that you have a parent and a child, and the child has an interest in a cookie. 
Perhaps the child knows that there's a cookie on the counter or in a jar or in a box or something like that, and they really want a cookie. They really want a cookie from their parent. And so, what do they do if they really want a cookie from their parent? Well, they will proceed with telling their parent how much they adore them, and say, "Oh, daddy, or oh, mommy, I want you to know that I really deeply adore you. You are the most wonderful daddy or the most wonderful mommy that has ever lived on the face of the earth." You're beautiful, and you're smart, and you're wise, and you have everything that I would ever want to have in terms of character and quality. I deeply adore who you are, and I want to be just like you. And then they proceed with confession. They say, "Oh, but truly and deeply, I am not like you. I definitely fall short of everything that you are, and I'm really sorry for that. And I really deeply apologize for all the bad things that I have done today." And I sincerely ask you for your forgiveness for everything that I have done, and I deeply, truly want to be close to you and have a relationship with you. And I'm thankful that you're such a loving parent that you will now forgive me for anything I've done because I'm sincerely and truly, deeply asking you for that. And I really want to thank you also for everything you do for me, for providing me with a place to live, providing me with clothes to wear, and food to eat, and games to play, and a wonderful, safe environment. And I'm really thankful for for everything that you do for me and everything that you say to me. I'm even thankful for the discipline that you put in my life in order to correct me and direct me and make me into the kind of person that you know I should be. I'm really thankful for that. And then after that, they say, "Oh, and by the way, may I have a cookie?" Now, is that the kind of relationship that you would expect to see between a parent and a child? Is that the kind of relationship that you would want to have with your child? Can you imagine every time your child comes to you and asks you for a cookie, they start out with his adoration and then proceed with his confession and then the thanksgiving and then the supplications asking you for the cookie. Can you just imagine what you might be thinking? I can imagine what I would be thinking. As soon as I start hearing the adoration, I just know right up front that my child is now going to ask me for something. Would they just hurry up and just get it over with, and just ask me for what it is that they want, and just get it over with? Let me say yes or no, and let it be done. That's probably how I would react to that. You may not react that way. Perhaps you might really enjoy all that adoration and confession and thanksgiving, and then the request for the cookie, and then you would probably say yes or no, depending upon the circumstances at hand. And who knows what that might look like? You might be having dinner in 15 minutes, and you don't want your child to start eating a cookie right now. But people do believe that that is how they are to relate to their God. That that's how their God wants them to relate to Him. That's what's being taught. That is what's being taught. Many people sincerely believe this, and I'm saying that because I've asked. There are a lot of people who grow in their Christian life experience, thinking and being taught and living as though this is how they relate to their God. But how would you feel if you were God? And your children responded to you that way. If that's how they related to you, I personally don't think that I would enjoy that a whole lot. Perhaps God may enjoy that more than me, and certainly He doesn't need my opinion about that to suggest that it is right or wrong or good or evil or appropriate or inappropriate. Again, that's not my intent. 
My intent is not to deal with it on that issue. My intent is to clearly say that when we sit down and we start with these formulas, when we start thinking about our prayer life before our God in the context of formulas or standards or procedures, then this is how it can sound. This is what it can really turn into. It becomes such an impersonal experience with your Creator that it's really devoid of any substance whatsoever. It's unfortunate to say that, but that is the case. I sincerely believe that in most cases, people's relationship with our God, especially as we would describe it in the context of their prayer life, is truly devoid of any substance, of any depth, of any real personal relating attributes whatsoever. Because it's just a procedure, just as the child was asking for a cookie. So also we're asking for something else from our Creator, our God, our Father in heaven. But your God is not the great heavenly gumball machine in the sky where you add in a little adoration, a little confession, a little thanksgiving, and then present your supplications, and then you get your gumball out of the machine. Your God is a person. He is a person who wants to experience a personal, interactive relationship with you. And this relationship is not supposed to be about you just asking him for the things that you want and then he delivers. He's not the great Santa Claus in the sky. He is a person. He has feelings. He has beliefs. He has opinions. He has wisdom. He has experience. He has understanding. And he wants to share these things with you and he wants to experience your life as you experience your life. As you grow and encounter the world that he has created, he wants to enjoy that with you. Your relationship with your God is not to be a relationship of consistently asking him for things. Your relationship with him is primarily to be a relationship of enjoying the experience that you have with him on a daily basis as you walk and engage the life that you have presented to you. That is what your relationship is primarily to be about, and it is to be done on the basis of what you have already received from your God not on the basis of what you hope to obtain from him, but primarily on the basis of what you have already received. My friend, I'm not wanting to depreciate the issue or the idea that you can ask your God for things or that you can ask of him anything that you want. I sincerely want to encourage you to ask him for whatever your heart desires. That is not my concern. My concern is that we focus on these things as though they are our relationship with him, and yet in doing so we neglect and even in some cases reject what we have already received from him. I sincerely believe that a believer in Christ Jesus, a new believer in Christ Jesus, should grow and mature not by asking their God for things every morning and every evening, but should first primarily grow in their knowledge and understanding of what they have already received from their God. That is the primary focus of a new believer, and that is the primary focus of all believers, that we should be preoccupied with the discovery of what we have already received, above and beyond what we may even consider asking him for. Because the focus in our life is to truly be a life of living with what we have from him, not with what we hope to obtain, many things of which he never even came to give. And I will continue on this subject in the next broadcast.
You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you, man.